This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Throughout the day, Kevin woke up several times asking for water. The last time he woke up, I was warming up dinner and I offered him some. The man's features brightened immediately. Yes, yes, please, he said in a quiet voice, a voice that was starting to gain some life back. I brought him a plate of canned pasta, and he devoured it. I asked him if he wanted more, but he shook his head. No. Sleep. And he was gone into another world. The world we are all forced to inhabit when our bodies are too drained for this one. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, there are stories. This story is called The Feeding. You belong here. Part 6. Kevin In the darkness of the night, I stood over Kevin and studied him under the soft candlelight. He had dark features and was unshaven. I suspected he was in the woods for at least a few days, probably slept on the cold, frozen ground among the endless trees. I shivered and felt cold just thinking about it. This could have been me. I could not tell how old Kevin was, him being in the state he was in, but he didn't look too old, perhaps even my age. He was well-dressed, if one was to disregard his ripped, soiled clothes. I was hoping he would come to his senses tomorrow and perhaps be strong enough to leave this place with me. A part of me was happy to finally be around another person, to not be alone. I left some water on the bedside table for him and climbed up to my little room. As I passed the cellar, my eye caught something in the corner, and suddenly my heart dropped. Frank? I panicked and tripped on the cellar door, almost falling and dropping the candle. With my heart beating wildly, I looked around. But Frank was not here. In the dull glow of the candlelight, all sorts of shadows appeared, making things look more alive than they actually were, giving me a creepy feeling all over. This place was starting to get to me. I quickly climbed up the ladder and lit another candle on the little table next to the bed. I could not shake the creepy feeling off. I kept thinking of Frank, remembering the outline of him with a rope in his hand. My anxiety was unbearable, and eventually I reached for my sleeping pills again. I closed my eyes and let the sleep take me. As I drifted into sleep, I heard the familiar sound of the flapping of wings the bird made. 
The floorboards creaked, and someone crossed the room. My eyelids were getting very heavy, but I could see a faint, dark shape standing there. Frank, I thought with panic, barely able to move. The sleeping pills had their effect, and I could not fight the sleep now. It was coming over me strong, paralyzing me. The dark shape in the corner flattened and proceeded to climb up the wall, right to the ceiling beam. I could not tell if it was my dream or reality as my eyes finally closed and I fell asleep. The next morning, I woke up and heard a loud noise coming from downstairs. It took me a moment to realize that it was probably Kevin. I sat up and glanced toward the corner where the dark shape stood last night. There was nothing standing there now. It must have all been a dream, I decided with relief and laid back on the bed, feeling much better. Then I saw them. Footprints all over the ceiling, as if somebody walked on it. Except the footprints did not look normal. They were odd, like a strange foot or something that was not quite human. The footprints started in the corner, just above where the dark shape stood last night, and went up the wall, then crossed the ceiling toward the bed, stopping right over it, as if whomever did it vanished right above my sleeping body. I jumped out of bed and stood frozen and bewildered, unable to comprehend. My trance ended when I heard a loud bang downstairs. Hello? I called out loudly. The banging stopped at once. Hey! A man's voice called back. Good morning. He walked over and stood by the ladder. Or good afternoon, I should say. We slept in. Shit, I said. I was hoping to wake up earlier. I headed downstairs. At the bottom, I saw Kevin, standing and looking at me with interest. After food, water, and a long sleep, he looked much better. He wasn't wearing his jacket, and his sweater was surprisingly neat, with a shirt collar peeking out from underneath. He looked much younger to me now. I hope you don't mind. I was looking around, he said shyly. Would you like some tea? I nodded, and he went over to the kitchen. So warm here with this contraption, he motioned to the ancient stove. You will need some wood for it soon. You're running low. He poured me a cup of hot liquid. I'm not staying here, I said. In fact, the sooner we leave, the better. I sat at the table and picked up a cracker. He sat opposite me, and for a second, we were quiet. I'm Kevin, he said, his face smiling and looking towards me with interest. I know, you introduced yourself yesterday. I took a sip of my tea, and its warmth picked me up and woke me immediately. Did I? He looked surprised. Hell, I must have been so out of it. Yeah, yeah, you were, I said, chewing the dry old cracker. 
Kevin was still looking at me. Diane, I said, and we shook hands, all formal. How long were you in the woods? I asked. Kevin sighed heavily. He put his hands through his hair and I could tell he was frustrated. Hmm, he said finally. Two, maybe three days? He took a sip of his tea. I see, I said. I couldn't imagine being lost in those woods for so long. The thought horrified me. Listen, this is not your cabin, is it? Kevin asked. I shook my head. I happened upon it the same way you did. I looked at Kevin and he was staring into space, all pensive. A few minutes later, I broke the silence. Where do you think we are? I asked. I've been trying to get out of here and find my way out to a road or something. Kevin looked at me and shook his head slightly. That would be a bad idea, he said. There is no way out of these damn woods. Trust me, I tried. Of course there is, I said. There has to be. Kevin just stared ahead. We sat all quiet for a few moments, and then I remembered. Hey, I know, I exclaimed, and Kevin looked up at me. I saw a lake behind the cabin. We can move along the lake and see if the woods get any better, or perhaps we'll find another cabin. A lake? Where? I got up. Come on, I'll show you. We both got our jackets and went outside. Hey, this is Chris from the Criminal Perspective Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast you're currently listening to on the Crawlspace Media Network, consider checking out Criminal Perspective. On Criminal Perspective, I take 11 years of my experience corresponding with notorious murderers and I bring it directly to you. At times, I'll give you interviews directly with the most heinous murderers imaginable, like Nico Klo, the Vampire of Paris. I read that I read that you found some cookies in his kitchen, and you just sat there eating cookies, watching them squirm around and die. Yeah, it wasn't actual cookies. I think I, I think it was bread, just bread. But uh, yeah, yeah, I ate something. I just sat sat down on the corner and watched him die, basically. Other times, I'll bring you survivors of violent crime telling their harrowing tales themselves, like Shasta McLean, who survived being abducted by serial killer Joseph Duncan. After being at that campsite for like two, like a week or two, he had asked me how I wanted to die. He said because uh, I had to choose one or the other. It could either be quick, or it could, or you know, it could be the slow process. So he gave me the option of being strangled to death, where he gave me the option of being shot. So please check out Criminal Perspective on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are heard. Criminal Perspective is a cross-based media podcast. We find that in these times, everyone needs some time to chill out and relax. That's why we're excited to announce this week's sponsor, Boston Green Health. Boston Green Health is a local provider of CBD products that specializes in oils, topicals, gummies, and edibles. Boston Green Health's plant-based products can provide natural relief and rest 
for the mind, body, and soul. As one of New England's premier hemp-based companies, they offer a variety of all-natural CBD products that use a blend of locally sourced hemp extract. Visit bostongreenhealth.com for premium CBD oil, a delicious variety of CBD-infused gummies, luxurious handcrafted topicals, and a product line for pets. Podcast listeners can receive 20% off of any purchase by using the show code PI20. That's P-I-20. Boston Green Health takes pride in being New England's most trusted CBD brand. The air was not as cold today, but it was still very gray out. The fog was clinging to the ground and got thicker as we approached the lake. Kevin sighed. I can barely see anything. Would you rather go back into the woods? I asked. He looked around, went closer, and kicked at a rock with his foot. The fog was so thick that it spread, swallowing the rock out of sight. Kevin turned to me. Well, what's your story? Come inside and I'll tell you. I turned and walked back, shivering in the wet air. He followed behind me. I realized at that moment how good it was not to be all alone any longer. My anxiety was finally lifting, letting me breathe a little. I sat at the table again. When Kevin sat down, I told him my story with Frank and how he followed me from the tavern. When I was finished, Kevin chuckled bitterly. What? I asked. Would you believe it? Something very similar happened to me, too. Really? I wanted to know more. Tell me what happened. I got lost, Kevin said. The map on my phone was not showing me the right directions. I couldn't find the little place I was passing through, and the map stopped making sense. The reception here is spotty, so that was probably it. I took a few wrong turns, too. Well, I decided not to waste any more time and pulled over by this really small cafe-type place. Like a diner, I guess. It was getting dark, and I needed to get going. The waitress there gave me the directions, and as I turned to leave, I caught this large guy staring at me. I went out and got on the road. A few minutes later, same story. That guy from the cafe followed me and almost ran me off the road. Road was all deserted, too. Forest on both sides, just no place to go. Finally, I managed to pull over, right into the ditch. Probably damaged my car doing that. I got out, angry at the guy, and he just walks over to me. That's odd. I thought back to my incident with Frank. Why would he do that? Hell if I know, Kevin shook his head. Well, as he got closer, I noticed that he pulled a gun out. I backed away and went back to the car, only it was stuck in the ditch. Frustrated, I yelled something at him. I don't even remember what it was. It didn't do anything. The guy kept walking, his gun out, and aimed at me. 
I got out and moved toward the forest, telling him I didn't want no trouble. I didn't think the guy would follow me in, but he did. I ran into the forest, trying to talk to him, but he just walked after me, all quiet. I was at the edge of my seat listening. This was very strange. I stopped and told the guy that he had the wrong person. Whatever he wanted, I was not the one he was looking for. I really did not think he would shoot. I mean, I've never even met the guy before. Well, I was wrong. He did shoot. You're kidding. I felt uneasy. He actually shot at you? Luckily, he missed. Kevin shook his head in disbelief. I really thought I was done for at that moment. I turned and ran into the woods, hearing gunshots after me. Pretty sure the guy was following me, too. I ran and ran until the woods got so thick, it was actually dark. Just like me, I said quietly. Now what would they do that for, do you think? Kevin stared at me, his gaze intent. Sitting in silence, the mood in the room got tense, heavy, and my previous anxiety found its way back to me. What an odd thing to happen, I said finally. Where the fuck are we? Kevin asked. On the next episode of The Feeding, there was a scream. Startled and disoriented, I leaped out of bed. I ran to the ladder and found Kevin at the base of it, standing in the dark and holding a candle. Someone's outside, he said in a whisper. I woke up to screaming from the outside. You can hear it, right? Yeah, I can hear it, I replied. Have you gone out to see who it is? Not yet. Let's go, I said and climbed down. Thank you for listening to The Feeding, a crawlspace media production of a pie rational story, narrated by Valerie Bogart. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.